What's up everybody? Welcome to Press YYZ for February 5th, 2020. This is your one-stop shop where we bring you all the big video game news and shenanigans straight from this six, the T-Dot, Hogtown. I'm your host for today, Nathan McInerney. I'm joined by the Sultan of Switch, Mitch George. How are you doing, Mitch? I've been better, been worse. I am also joined by AJ Frazier, who's got his head in the clouds, and this might be his last episode. Pineapple belongs on pizza! So definitely his last episode. Bye. We're going to be dealing with that in a bit. We've got the film baby, Alex Ballant. How are you doing, Alex? What's up, guys? I'm doing pretty well. Very tired, but I'm happy to be here. we got Cozy Bear, The French Connection, Alex Cozina. I'm just going to say it. Die Hard, third best Christmas movie. Okay, it's Cozy's last podcast, too. Well, that, when we do our top 10 Christmas movies, uh, it's going to rank. That's awesome. And <laughs> as I introduced myself earlier, the self-appointed head of HR for Press YYZ, Nathan McInerney. So uh, quickly before we get into the news and talk about what's going on, I want to hear what you guys have been playing. Mitch, what have you been doing? Um, so I went out over the weekend. Uh, for those of you in Canada, you are likely aware of the PC Optimum Loyalty Program. So luckily, one of my local shoppers, Drug Marts, has video games. They had a promotion where you could redeem X number of points, and it was worth more than the number of points you were redeeming. I think it was like, redeem $50, it's worth $65. So I figured I'd go out and buy myself a new game. Uh, I just want to point out, for those living in Quebec, uh, you may know Shoppers Drug Mart under the name Pharmapri. That is correct. Thank you. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I know a lot about the various Western brands but we can talk about that offline. Uh, so I went and picked up Control because we talked about it a couple <laughs> weeks ago as a group. Alex had a blast with it and I couldn't put it down. I picked it up on Saturday and I finished it last night. Oh, nice. Yeah, what Dude, it was the ashtray maze. Oh, yeah. That like, the, just don't the even, ashtray maze. Oh my God. You can't even say anything about it. It's just, it's so great. I, I can't, but just, I, I will be spoiler for, you know that one element they add to that bit? Mm-hmm. I had that on repeat all day today. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh my god, it's such a good game. Yeah, that's like genuinely one of my favorite moments in any game. You feel like a badass, which is exactly how I wanted to feel for 90% yeah. of that game, and I didn't. So I I did really enjoy it. There were some, like, there are moments that make you wish the game could have been more than it was. There are a lot of weird technical glitches. Like, every time you pause and unpause the menu, it will stutter for a good three or four seconds. But yeah. overall, I, I couldn't put it down. That that game is something special. It makes me really want to go back and play um, Alan Wake and uh, Quantum Break. I mean, you may get a chance because with the way that they've announced their DLC plan, there may be... Our, we know there's additional story content, so who knows what's going to pop up in that in that DLC package. Now it's something I'm, I'm definitely considering picking up the DLC. Yeah, me too. So the other game that I picked up this week, uh, it was a birthday gift from my fiancé. And you might think this is because she thinks I'm fat, but it's because I think I'm fat. And that is Ring Fit Adventure for the Switch. And honestly, it kicks your ass. Like that 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 game is it 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 holds nothing back. I I'm a bigger fellow, and it is a legitimate like head to toe full body workout. It's it's tough. What is the game actually like? Because I'm very unfamiliar with it. I just know like the I know the accessory that you get with it, but what is like the actual game like? Sure. So there's a, a few different modes. There is like a a store or an adventure mode. There's um like a a, a 
quick workout mode and there's a, a mini game mode. So the mini games are what you would think. It's just various exercises that make you do something in the game. The, the quick sets are just a set of exercises meant to target a specific area. And the adventure mode is actually really interesting in that you, you play a character that unknowingly unleashes an evil bodybuilder into the world. And then along with your companion ring, who is in fact a ring, uh, you are tasked with trying to thwart evil in the form of exercises and those exercises you need to perform the exercises to it the the actual battles of the game are sort of rpg-esque where you pick your move and your moves are the exercises and then you complete a certain number of them as a set and that causes damage to your opponent it's really really interesting it's got that nintendo quirk it, it feels a lot like nintendo back in the wii days where they were just making weird stuff just for the sake of it and i'm definitely going to stick with it regardless of how much it kills me i, I want to say this game has really surprised me in terms of how much traction it's managed to gain since its launch i think we all looked at it and we're like okay here's another cool like crazy tinkerer toy maker nintendo project that probably you know won't do all that well but will probably satisfy certain numbers and certain uh books somewhere off the waters uh and yet it's really earned a lot of acclaim and apparently has been selling well too yeah they only had a couple of copies left at the best buy that i went to to pick it up and i can definitely see where that charm comes from and it does harken back to when nintendo was just doing weird general consumer experiences like we fit we sports uh and things like that so that's why for me it really does make me reminisce a bit for that Wii era nintendo and it definitely so fits when are we goal. getting ring and smash mm-hmm. oh it better happen if if we don't get ring or the villain as part of Fighter Pass 2, I'm going to riot. If we get another Fire Emblem character before we get Ring Fit, Adventure, Person, or whatever to go alongside the, the, Wii, the Wii Fit Trainer, then... And that actually takes me really nicely into the next thing I wanted to do, and that was to apologize to you, AJ. So, a couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation around oh, what a great game Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is. And I was asked to argue why having the number of Fire Emblem characters mm-hmm. in it is fine. Turns out today, Sakurai, there was an interview and he said he agreed okay. there are too many Fire Emblem characters and that that was a mandate from Nintendo. They decided which characters were going to be added to the Fighter Pass or to the game. So to AJ, I'm sorry. I was wrong. This was not Sakurai's doing. And I concede to you that there are far too many Fire Emblem characters in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I hear you. I understood your point of view at the time, and I accept your apology. And I'm glad you've decided to be on the right side of history with this one thing. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. Nathan, it's all it's, it's totally all yours. I've taken up too much of your time. All right. Let's move on to Cozy. Cozy, what have you been playing? Uh, so I continued uh, my trek through the Half-Life game expansions, Half-Life 2 Episode 1 and Half-Life 2 Episode 2. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about them because I already talked about them in the previous episode that we did and also the Secret Lost episodes that came before them. Um, other than to say that they are both really, really good. They hold up incredibly well. And while unfortunately I can't wholeheartedly recommend playing just them because there's they follow up on a lot of narrative points that are introduced in Half-Life 2 and you would be confused if you just went straight into Half-Life 2 Episode 1. I think that they are very good and if given a decision between playing that and 
uh, any other game from 2006, 2007, you can't go wrong with them. Um, the other thing, though, that I played just a little bit of, but enough to say that I have an opinion on it, is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I uh, got this game as a gift from my parents and for Christmas. And the thing is, is that historically, I've done a very poor job of playing video games. So my parents have gotten me as gifts uh, for Christmas or birthdays, at least over the course of the past decade. The one game that comes to mind is they got me the wonderful 101 uh, back when that originally came out a couple of years prior, which uh, is kind of timely that I bring it up considering Platinum Games recently launched the uh, Kickstarter for that. Um, and I was like, cool, I'm really happy that you got this for me. Thank you very much. And then it sat in my shelf for two years. And then finally, I picked it up. I went and I played through itself. And I'm like, uh, I, sorry, hold on. I picked it up, went, played through its first level. And I was like, hmm, hmm. There's some interesting ideas that are going on here, but I don't know that I quite love it that much. Um, so, yeah, uh, that I wanted to make a point of getting around to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order a lot sooner this time. Uh, and so I did, maybe only about a month or so after Christmas. Um, but what I've been enjoying thus far is pretty good. It gets you in the action a lot quicker than I was expecting. Uh, and there are a fair few, even in like the opening hour, hour like an excessive amount of slides. Um, but I've enjoyed what I played thus far and I'm looking forward to more of it. Perfect. Thanks, Cozy. AJ, let's move on to you. What have you been playing? Well, I've been in my personal life kind of nursing a cold since last week, the last time we recorded. So, you know, I haven't felt up to, to really playing too much other than, you know, the quick round here and there of Smash. Um, I continue to like Ike at the moment, um, but I might bounce back and forth between Ike, Wario. Those are still my kind of like go-to characters right now. Um, but also today, I ended up finding myself down this weird uh, YouTube metal songs, metal song cover rabbit hole. Um, and you know, uh, I'm I'm not that in interested in um, mo like the the modern popular r music that you'll hear on like every single radio station that everybody loves. You know, not to be that guy necessarily. I, I'm a bit more of a metalhead, but um, it started with um, a, a metal cover. Um, forget it, I'm forgetting the lady's name right now, um, but she she did a very good cover of that uh, "Toss a Coin to Your Witcher." Um, that that's kind of where I started, and I ended at um, a different uh, song, a, a cover of Billie Eilish's "Bad Guy" um, by a band called Anchor, A N K O R, um, and it's really good. So if anybody's interested in in, in that sort of stuff, uh, you should probably check it out. So just for reference there, the cover you were speaking of, of Toss a Coin to Your Witcher is by Violet Orlandi. O-R-L-A-N-D-I. Thank you very much. You're I welcome. Didn't, I didn't want to look it up myself. I appreciate I appreciate you, Mitch. Well, that's a nice change of pace. <laughs> this is so nice, so warm and fuzzy. Um, Alex, what have you been playing? Well, uh, like last week, I've been playing Hollow Knight. It's been my game of choice on the uh, bus uh, slash subway because uh, my commute uh, to school is about two hours every day uh, there and back. So it's about four hours in total. So I have a lot of time to kill. Um, and so, yeah. I remember those days. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing through more Hollow Knight. Um, it gets a little frustrating just trying to figure out where you're supposed to go like i feel like this is what i've heard about a lot of metroidvanias where it's like you kind of reach that wall of like 
I feel like I've gone everywhere except for this one particular path that, like, is the way to go to get to the next thing to be able to unlock more of the other paths that I can't go to yet. And so it's been getting a little frustrating because especially when I've been playing it, I haven't had internet access. And so I just, like, kind of have to bang my head against the wall and just try to You know, for some of us uh, older folks, that's how we used to have to play games. There was no guides. There was no internet. You had to figure this shit out for yourself. So I'm glad you're experiencing this game in that way because that's how it's meant to be experienced. Says the eight-year-old to the five-year-old. I just turned 28. (laughs) Like, that's not young. So as the 38-year-old here... um, (laughs) Sorry. Thank you. Oh, an (laughs) 11-year-old. Um, nope, definitely it's uh, fun to play without guides. Uh, Axiom Verge, which is a similar style Metroidvania game to Hollow Knight, I had it a month before launch, and there was no internet help whatsoever on it because I had it pre-release. And literally, I spent hours and hours combing through mm-hmm. walls trying to find all the secrets. I got 95% complete without any guides, so I was pretty happy with that. Wow. Um, yeah, so I've been enjoying that, and I'm going to continue trying to get through it because... I uh, really want to try to finish these games that I bought on Switch uh, that I just started and just never finished. And so I'm trying to get my money's worth out of them. I'm with you. My but, Switch backlog is... It's 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 not fair, the games I've neglected in there. Yeah, for sure. But the uh, other game that I managed to play, because I don't really have a lot of time to sit down at either my computer or my PlayStation and play a game... Uh, but Saturday, I kind of, after I finished editing the first podcast, actually, I decided to give myself some time, and after watching Batman v Superman, I was really in the mood to get, like, more of that Batman feel, and so I decided to play through, again, this is a replay of, uh, Batman The Enemy Within, which is the second Telltale season, and it is awesome. It is such an interesting interpretation of some of these characters especially the joker um especially um harley quinn like i feel like they do really interesting things with these versions of these characters and it just it it's for as much as i love the arkham games i don't really feel like you got to feel like the world's greatest detective where i feel like that's something that these telltale games managed to really capture well so as someone who played through the first season as a Batman fan and as a platinum trophy horror, what like there wasn't a lot that that held me to that experience that made me want to go out and buy the second season. So in your opinion, is is there a mm-hmm. is is there a marketable improvement to the way that they're telling that story that where I really should go out and pick this game up? Oh, for sure. I genuinely think cuz this was the um this was the last besides The Walking Dead this was the last uh, season of uh, Telltale game before they closed down. And this was like, they just had a new engine, so the game runs remarkably better already. And I feel like the storytelling in this particular season is a lot better. Like, I think, um, especially the last, I'm not going to spoil it, but the last episode, I played through it a different way. And it's a different episode. Like, I literally felt like it was a whole different experience where as you know replaying a telltale game they're relatively the same like the choices it's kind of the illusion of choice versus um versus like actual choice uh but in in the season two of batman it genuinely like your choices did matter to some extent 
Cool. And so I would say it's definitely worth playing. I played through the first season of uh, this game back at the end of last year, I believe in November. Um, I kind of felt that the way that that season ended, I could definitely see, okay, this thread and that thread will probably be theoretically expanded on in a sequel, but it kind of felt like a kind of closed and done case. Mm-hmm. Would you say that like season two, you're playing through it and you're like, oh, okay, this feels like a really necessary conclusion to season one, or was it more like, well, there's a lot of money to be made here, so let's do the best with what we can? I would say it's kind of a yes and no. Like, I feel like it... It's not exactly necessary, but the story that they tell specifically with the thread that they started with Joker or John Doe, as he's referred to in season one, I feel like it where it ends is worth going through. And the end of season two feels more definitive than the first season. Like, I'm okay that there's never going to be another season of the Batman Telltale right. games. Cool. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth checking out. And it's not like a huge time sink either, so... I would say it's definitely worth it. All right. Thank you, hmm. Alex. Uh, for me, I've been going through a, few, uh, through a few things. Number one, I have 100%ed Mario Maker 2's story mode. I guess story mode. Uh, the castle's built. I've done everything in that game. Played every level. Yeah, the 100, the 100 Nintendo-created levels, right? Yes, the good thing about that game. Oh, shit. We, we can have a conversation offline about that, but I kind of agree with you. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, secondarily, I picked up Injustice 2 uh, on sale on the PSN before the sale finished. Uh, so I'm going through the story mode and that, loving it. Uh, I played Injustice 1 years and years ago. I think when it was free on PS Plus. Um, so I love Never ne- Never Realms storytelling. So And they do a really good job, especially probably the best out of any fighting game company out there. And we'll probably be talking a bit about that later in another segment. Um, so I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. But it's a good time. I'm just really behind on getting to it. That's okay, um, as long as you're getting to it, because that story is phenomenal. Yeah, it's one of the best DC stories that I've played. Or that I've definitely played, but it's definitely one of the best DC stories that I've seen on screen. Experienced. Um, That's the word. I could I got you, dude. <laughs> um I did post a review for, uh, I'm going to say this wrong because it's Japanese, Sikyo Shooting Stars Alpha, which is a collection of six shoot-em-ups uh, back from mostly the early 90s, uh, including, uh, wait, I have it pulled up here so that I don't quote them wrong, Strikers 1945, 1, 2, and 3, Dragon Blaze, Soul Divide, and Zero Gunner 2. So, and they're all old school shoot 'em ups um, that are for the most you part know, vertically so you can actually spin the switch sideways and play it hor- um, vertically instead of horizontally now nathan if people wanted to check out that review where would they go they go to ps4blog.net um, there you can find all my reviews along with everybody else's i mean um, this is all uh, for pimping our own stuff so we might as well <laughs> yeah no i appreciate that yeah, if you're not making moves, you're standing still. Um, and a little hint, I just got the code for Sikio Shooting Stars Bravo today, Ooh. So, which is another six. So I'm looking forward to that. And next week, I might be able to talk about the game Throw Anything because I got my review code for that too. So I'm going to be jumping into VR and throwing things at zombies. So, um, Oh, and before I forget, uh, because I've been watching a little bit of TV this week, I saw the endings for um, BoJack Horseman and The Good Place. Uh, as both no spoilers as both series have finished and all i can say is they are probably two of the best endings for a show i've ever seen that's high praise 
I, I don't mind if you spoil the end of The Good Place for me because I don't watch it, but my mom does, so be mindful of my mom, all right? She might watch this. I feel like I would get along with your mom because I'm also going through the last season of The Good Place, so please, no spoilers. No spoilers, very good. Um, so that wraps up what we've been playing. So now we're going to get into the weekly news dump, and I'm going to let Mitch take us through that. We need a new, jingle, new, Mitch. New, can news. you give us our jingle? That's a little derivative, isn't it? <laughs> I was going to say, it seems inspired. Here comes the news. I don't know. Hold on a sec. Let me try one. Welcome to the news. All right. You need to do that every week. Yeah, have fun, have fun repeating that. Yeah, Alex, be sure to clip that out, and we'll basically have it on a soundboard. Okay. Great. So the first story we've got is there's there's a couple pieces to this, but the the first one I pulled is from the Hollywood Reporter from Patrick Shanley, and that EA revenue balloons even further over the last quarter of 2019. And the big takeaway out of this I pulled from Gamespot from Eddie McCooch. I think it's. I hope that's how you pronounce it. In that EA made almost one billion dollars from microtransactions in the fourth quarter of 2019 alone. That's mad money. Yeah, ultimate player packs. Well, I was going to say most of it coming from the Ultimate Teams modes in FIFA, Madden, and NHL. Um, the EA did also say that they were pleasantly surprised by the uh, performance of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, topical to what Cozy was speaking of earlier, that it performed uh, marginally above expectations. They expected sales of in the 6 to $8 million range, or, or they're expecting sales to reach 10 million copies by the end of fiscal year, ending March 31st, which is pretty crazy. So, like, I I'm curious, internally, were they like, hmm, we've had kind of a a pretty bad, a pretty toxic fan reaction to the past couple of Battlefront games. <laughs> we better temper our expectations with this game as well. Or maybe was it like a review score thing where the game wasn't, you know, it reviewed well, but people were a little bit apprehensive about the glitches and stuff, and they thought that that would eat into its sales. I'm sure both probably factored into it. These people are way smarter of predicting these sort of things than any of us, so we can speculate, but it was probably, yeah, largely based on the trends they saw from their initial Star Wars releases. And the fact that this is not a... Mm. I mean, you can see based on their microtransaction numbers in the quarter, knowing they were releasing a game that did not rely on a microtransaction-driven model, they probably assumed that it may not sell the way that their other games that that have those same sort of hooks in them for, for mm. consumers. But I think it's it's more so with shipping a single-player game like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, you expect a smaller margin of sales typically, but doing so with such a well-established franchise, it to me, it's not surprising that it surpassed their sales expectations. I think, like you said, Cozy, they probably tempered them based on the negative reactions to their previous games, but the general consumer who goes out to do their holiday shopping typically doesn't know about those things and probably bought Battlefront for their niece or nephew two or three Christmases ago. So they go out, they see a new Star Wars thing on the shelves. They're like, hey, little Billy there likes Star Wars. I'm going to buy him the Star Wars thing. So I'm sure it's, I, I don't know. I'm no expert. Mm. I just hope that like because of them being pleasantly surprised that we start seeing this as a positive thing when it comes to single player games. Like I really hope that... We, whatever Bioware is working on next, because they've obviously dropped Anthem, that whatever... Dragon Age 4, isn't it? I think so, but I'm not sure if that's confirmed. W regardless, like, whatever, like, their studios are working on next, like, I hope that... And Respawn, whatever they're working on next, like, I just hope that this is, like, a positive trend, that maybe they can have the FIFAs and the Maddens that make them all of the money, and then also we can have some nice single-player games as well that only make some money... 
and not all of it. I think based on this, we, we you have to expect that Respawn is almost immediately starting work on a sequel to Fallen Order, right? Yeah. Like that's, a, I, that's a no-brainer based on these sales numbers. But also, Respawn is three teams. So yeah. there's a team working on Apex. There's probably a team that's already been greenlit to do Fallen Order 2. And oh, yeah. hopefully, fingers crossed, we see another Titanfall please and not screw it when it gets released as well please ea god i love titanfall 2 so much that was that was, that was a great 12 dollars spent when i bought that game on sale i bought it day one <laughs> i was gonna say i feel like at this point we're mo- more likely to see a big meaty apex legend single player campaign than a titanfall 3 which i'm not against but i just think that's more likely rope the apex characters back into the single player story of titanfall and let's see what they can do with that that would be interesting i think aj's just stumbled on something though let's cross over those two games let's have titans with the character development that we have from these legends and see where they can where they can go with that like i think that'd be really cool especially with the parallels there are they're drawing in more inspiration from the titanfall side of this universe in season four with the announcement of uh forge being sponsored by hammond and immediately having him being murdered which was great that whole tease was just beautifully done it would be cool to see those universes cross over into something bigger more single player focused because i dabbled in apex but i'm much more of a single player kind of guy so yeah ea makes lots of money off microtransactions who would have thunk it uh so into our second story and i see underneath this insert impassioned rant here from nathan so i feel like he may have something to say about this and it is the disaster of a launch that warcraft 3 reforged has had uh and the main source we're pulling this information from is eric kane over at forbes but honestly i'm just going to let nathan run wild with this because i'm not a warcraft guy so whoever is have at it yeah how do you fuck this up please tell us all right, um, let's start this new segment. Hey, Blizzard, what the fuck? Seriously, this is war. Hold on, hold on. Can I say something? Yep. I, okay, two things. First off, my mom is going to listen to this episode, and she might be very flustered when she hears you say that. And two, we are a Canadian podcast, and you know, Canadians are known to be polite, sincere, nice beings. So I think that we need to uh, replace that F word with another He F-word. did start okay. it by saying sorry. That is true. All right. Well, I, I forgive you in this one instance, but how about... Hmm. You guys have any ideas? Okay. All right. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Hey, Blizzard. What the fork? All Seriously. Right. This is Warcraft 3. Warcraft 3, the original launch, has a 92% on Metacritic. It's a fantastic game and a classic. And all you had to do was update it with 4K visuals, new cutscenes, and quality of life improvement and just put it out there because it's a fantastic game on its own. Yet, we got what you gave us. This has been a year of screw-ups for you. Between the Blizzchun uh, debacle, the Diablo Immortal, which I'm not so angry about as other people, but Diablo Immortal for phones. Um, you needed this goodwill. You started to earn it back with Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 announcements at BlizzCon. Somehow, you started to garner that back even after the Blizzchun disaster. But then this happened. You knew this game wasn't ready. This game wasn't ready to be released, and you knew that. You knew this wasn't what you represented to people for what they were going to get. Sorry, so catch me up. They just released a broken-ass game? It's functional, but it's missing pieces. It doesn't have the cutscenes. So they specifically showed what the new cutscenes will look like, and the new cutscenes do not look like that from what they showed two years ago. It's the upgrade in the worst possible ways. 
So it's so bad that um, at this point, and at least Blizzard is doing this, um, but they've started doing automatic refunds for people who've bought it. But it's actually replaced, you can't buy the original Warcraft 3 from them anymore. You have to get this new reforged version. So, and they're saying stuff's gonna come and they're gonna patch it, but this wasn't ready. This shouldn't have been released. They should have looked at it and said, we need to take some more time and sent one of those big letters out that we've been seeing for the past few weeks, apologizing to us for needing to delay things because things aren't ready to go. And that's what Blizzard should have done here. I mean, maybe it's it's a point that they need to be mm. looking externally, maybe bring in some seasoned industry veterans who really know what it means to, to launch a well-made product. Honestly, I don't think this is Blizzard. I think this is the Activision portion of it. That's unfortunate. This is such a fall from grace for Blizzard. Like, they were known as, like, the studio that would, whenever they released a product, it was a banger. And even, like, things like Warcraft Classic, when they did that, like, World of Warcraft Classic, like, that was apparently supposed to be really, really well-received. And so it's kind of crazy that, like, Mm -hmm. this is such a fall from grace. Also, just quick note, my favorite thing about this is that they said any mods that are made with Warcraft 3 yep. Reforge are owned by Blizzard because you can tell how salty they were about Dota. And there are some, there are, there are some countries where you can't even opt out of the uh, end user license agreement where it's just you are agreeing to that in perpetuity just by playing the game. Yeah. But I wouldn't call this the fall from grace because Diablo 3 yep. came out and was absolutely like that was a train wreck launch too. So it's not like... This is but they an- fixed that though, and then also released Overwatch after that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, it's okay. Uh, I'm sure they're going to fix this over time, but this is a like they are showing a bit of a pattern of releasing broken ass, broken games, which is unfortunate to see. So I have uh, two questions. Uh, my first question is, you know, uh, over the course of doing projects for the YouTube channel that I write for, Gamers, YouTube.com/slash/GVMERS, plug, plug, plug. Um, one thing that I often find is that whenever a you know beloved franchise is on the verge of releasing a uh, release that proves controversial in some fashion or another, people can usually see it beforehand. In preview events, it doesn't look so hot. The developers are saying things that upset people or that ruffle them the wrong way. Were there any signs ahead of uh, Reforged's... Reforged uh, what the... Mm, man, I can't speak today. Release. You're looking yeah. for the word release. Well, it, it wasn't the release part. It was the uh, the S part at the end of Forge. Uh, anyways, uh, were there any like signs ahead of its release that indicated that not all was well? I don't think there were any signs, but there was no review copies. Hmm. Everybody got their review copies the day the game came out, which is usually a telltale sign that they know it's not good. It's not always so the case, though. It's not always the case, but it's usually a pretty good thing. At the end of the day, these guys have uh, mock reviews, which go through and review the games, um, and they're old, like old school writers uh, from the video game industry who actually review the game, so they'll have an understanding of the reception that it's going to receive critically. Um, and so they should have had an idea of where they'd be sitting with it. I, I mean, I do agree with you there, but if I wouldn't really look too deeply into it if the studio has a... A history of doing this we know historically bethesda does not send out review copies anymore so if i don't have game re- reviews for a bethesda game before launch i'm not as concerned as i would be say if uh, warcraft held back reviews or in the case of earlier this year uh, dragon ball z kakarot they also didn't get review copies ahead of time and that came out to luke a lukewarm reception i would call it so i i totally agree with you on there absolutely i think um just uh bethesda has backtracked on that review situation 
they've been starting to give reviews again. But anyways, oh, really? but they, there was a point where I know Dan Stapleton had to write an um, editorial for IGN about them not getting review copies ahead of time. Anyways. Okay. And the second thing is, um, so, you know, over the past decade or so, uh, real-time strategy games have definitely fallen a lot more in popularity. Traditional RTSs in the way that we know them, like, you know, Blizzard and the like, they still exist, but they definitely are not quite what they once were. We do see, you know, games like uh, League of Legends, which are kind of like a derivative offshoot of the genre, still continue to go on very strong. Um, but it's kind of unusual that we see something like Reforged make its way onto the market. Do you think that this game bombing is going to have like an adverse effect on the genre as a whole, like kind of health in the coming years? Or do you think that this is a, like, I guess as somebody who's a little bit more into that ecosystem, is this more something equivalent to World of Warcraft, uh, the, the recent version of that they that they released, where it's like, this is, uh, you know, this is more for the fans. This is not something that's designed to like inspire a resurgence within the MMO genre. I think it's a little of both. Will it affect how RTSs are looked at? I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see. EA's been keen to kill it with their mobile versions of Command and Conquer that they released. We'll see what happens. In terms of the release, it's dedicated to like it is for people who played it. Like I hate playing games on PC now. I've grown out of it. Um, as I've realized that console is the best way to play games. Um, but I would have been willing to sit down in front of my computer like a nerd and play Warcraft 3 again. So, um, like, I would have gone back to play it, but not until they fix it. I mean, I think you're forgetting about the wonderful RTS that we're expecting, I think, later this year in Gears Tactics. Like, come on. Show it some love, guys. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to an XCOM-style Gears game. Yeah, XCOM was awesome. Absolutely, that that XCOM was awesome, and to put and Gears is such a good fit with like the cover mechanics and everything. Good fit for like turn-based tactical strategy. All right, Nathan, you've got that all out of your system. Yeah, for now. For now, okay. So our our last story for the week is actually a couple of stories. One breaking just before we've recorded this podcast, and that people are leaving the places where they work. Uh, so earlier this week, it was reported that Dan Hauser is departing Rockstar Games. This coming from GamesIndustry.biz and Rebecca Valentine. As many of us know, Dan Hauser had taken a year-long sabbatical away from Rockstar, and just earlier this week, they announced that he's stepping away from the from the company after that break. Any thoughts? This is. This is crazy because <laughs> I, no, like just because Rockstar has been so. I mean, it is the Hauser brothers. I don't remember the, who the other brother's name is, but like they've the been two consistent. Of them, yeah, like they've been a part of every single Rockstar game, and like things like Red Dead and uh, Bully, and like all of these games are them. Like it's their voice, and so and like all the Grand Theft Autos are are co-written by them, and so. I'm really curious to see what is going to happen to Grand Theft Auto 6. I think we're not seeing it anytime a... soon. Yeah, I mean, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto 5 is still making too much money. So. But, I mean, yes, but they didn't have to make Red Dead 2, but they said, you know what? We have all this money. Let's make something new. And so I genuinely think there will be a Grand Theft Auto 6. I think it's going to take multiple years to come out, but, I mean,. I don't. I'm really interested to see from a writing perspective what that's going to look like because I think Red Dead Two was like pinnacle or like the top of what Rockstar can do writing wise, and so now they have to get new people in 
to write these games is it is are their voice going to change i mean it's going to have to but like how drastically is that voice going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens to rockstar over the next few years because like we tend to not hear anything from them for years until they realize they have something new to come out with right and since we just got red dead 2 i don't i wouldn't expect anything from them for a while that being said now are we gonna wait another five years for something another six like we don't know and that's kind of worrisome because they have been such a staple of the industry to see who is what i mean with all of the reports that came out of the studio of the crunch around GTA 5 and Red Dead 2 and with the Hauser brothers kind of being at the center of a lot of that controversy, it kind of makes sense to want to step away. But to step away to this extent is not something that, that I anticipated. So I'm not convinced that we won't see Rock, um, Grand Theft Auto 6 in the next year or two. Rockstar has two teams, one separate for uh, Grand Theft Auto, one separate for Red Dead Redemption. Um, and... As we all know, Grand Theft Auto V came out in 2013. It's been seven years since it came out almost. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I could see it uh, coming this year or next year and just being thrown on us as a surprise. 2023. That's my prediction. 2023. Grand Theft Auto VI. See, seeing another sort of end-of-generation, cross-generational game like GTA V was, where it came out on PS3, 360, and then eventually made its way and made probably most of its money on next-gen consoles. Yeah, I bought it twice. Grand Theft Auto is <laughs> probably their best game. I bought it three times. You guys are terrible. I personally think that we're going to probably be waiting a little while longer until we see the next Grand Theft Auto. Um, there was a quote uh, that I believe Dan Hauser said uh, a couple of years ago, I believe it was 2018, where he was asked about a hypothetical Grand Theft Auto 6, and he said something to the effect of, and I believe that this was meant in jest, that there are so many crazy things going on in the United States right now, like culture is changing at such a fast rate that we, you know, can't figure out what to crystallize and put in our game. Like, you know, literally anything that we put in our game right now will be considered, oh no, that's not parody, that's actually just blatantly copying what's going on right now in United States politics or what have you. Not to get too political right here, but that's more or less the effect of what he was saying. Um, and I think that while, you know, the Grand Theft Auto games are traditionally excellent games, they're masterpieces, uh, they also are not perfectly otherly stable productions. They have had their, you know, share of hard times here and there. And I think that, like, I can't see a world in which next year or even the year after we get Grand Theft Auto 6 that soon. I think that those games are going to be... If they are incubating right now, I'd have to imagine that a lot of time and resources are being spent to kind of figure out how to get them to work. And I feel like uh, Dan's departure from the company uh, won't bode well for uh, them coming out in a timely manner. Um, But we will see. So to add to your point earlier, Alex, um, Take-Two, when Reach for Comment, did not elaborate any further on Dan's departure, but did note that Sam Hauser's role at the studio had not changed. So as of now, the other Hauser brother is staying put, but they've been creative partners for so long, I would be surprised if it remained that way for for all that much longer once Dan decides on what he's going to do next. And the other... It'll be, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what he does next. Sorry, I didn't mean to... No, 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 it's okay. I was just going to segue into our next story, which kind of ties back to our Blizzard talk in that announced just before the show started, so these are some fresh takes, Rod Ferguson announces he's joining Blizzard to oversee the Diablo franchise. It's coming Blizzard from... just got a little more Fergalicious. That's... Hell yeah! Oh my god. 
Why? So this Why is definitely going to be AJ's last podcast. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, four. Sorry, Cozy's mom. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So this is coming from IGN and and Matt Kim. Uh, yeah, Rod Ferguson, the head of Coali- the the Coalition Studio, the the creative or i think he was the director on yeah he was creative director on gears 4 and 5 so he was director on gears 5 and head of microsoft's coalition studios announces he's joining blizzard in march to head up the diablo franchise in a quote saying leaving is bittersweet as i love our gears family the fans and everyone at the coalition and xbox now this is this story is still developing but guys what like what what's what's going on why what where's my gears 6 what's gonna happen yeah this is gonna be really interesting for years because like after uh cliff blazinski left um like departed from the franchise and the franchise then went to coalition rod ferguson was the like face of gears at that point like he was the person to like bring it into the next generation and so well yeah he he moved he moved from epic to microsoft to form the coalition after yeah cliff left Epic, right yeah so like he's been a part of the whole franchise since the beginning so I really am going to be interested to see who's going to step up to take his place. Do we, do we think this this maybe does this bode negatively for Diablo Four? Like, are they in real trouble over at Blizzard that they need someone to come in and and write the ship, so to speak? Like, are you guys worried at all about that side of the coin over at Blizzard? Since we just talked about how they're diff- they're having difficulties releasing games in a reasonable state from what we've seen with Diablo four, it seems to be in good hands at the moment. Uh, the trailer that they put out, um, at BlizzCon was creepy as fork. Um, and they put some gameplay out and it looked really interesting as well. So I'm not super worried about it right now, but it could be that they just wanted to get that darker feel to it. And maybe they felt that this would be a good way to go. And maybe it was just time for a change. Who knows? You know, it, it's easy to think of these situations sometimes and think, oh, man, uh, we're in the control room and everything is breaking and the room is on fire and it's flooded. And sometimes it's just like, oh, there's a leak in this one place. We need the right wrench to be able to fix it. Hey, there's this guy over here at this studio that fits the bill. Let's bring him on. Maybe he, he is being brought on to fix some sort of hole or gap, but it's not like there's a monumental issue at hand. Do we know, like, what kind, what team specifically is, like, if they're is handling the, the the remasters and like reforged versus the the new stuff like the of the, of the mainline franchises and everything because there's clearly an Overwatch team there's clearly a a Diablo team there's clearly it's probably some like they're getting the new kids to try and make this like like reforged yeah maybe. we don't we don't know a lot about the inner workings over at Blizzard they're they're pretty they're pretty they keep things pretty close to the chest what i was thinking actually just now we we never got diablo immortal released right no it's still supposed to be coming i think i've signed up for it on my phone so when it does come it's supposed to tell me so maybe this is to maybe maybe the issue isn't with the mainline diablo it's trying to fix the image of the franchise especially with the reception that the the mobile game got when it was first announced because he's overseeing the whole franchise not just the core diablo games right maybe they are expanding out into this diablo universe we did see that with gears where they where they branched out into gears pop and gears tactics under under rod ferguson so maybe it is more of a a a portfolio management opportunity as opposed to writing the ship of one specific game on one specific platform it 100 percent could be um I guess we'll have to... This is going to be a wait and see. 100% maybe. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love I love our hot takes here. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan. Go yeah, ahead. Definitely. It's maybe. A definitely. It's definitely a maybe. <laughs> definitely a maybe. You know what? That we're. This is just gonna have to be a wait and see approach, and we'll see what happens. Cool. And with that, I think that wraps up our news segment. We have some deals. It's raining deals. Cozy. I need another. I need another jingle for it's raining deals. Woo! No, no. I okay. I got this one. I got this one. So is rain and deals. Hallelujah is rain and deals. Do do do. I feel like I've heard that somewhere too. It's short enough that it's not copyright infringement. We're fine. That's where I was going to go with it too. So mm, I, I, I don't know about that. I think it's, yeah, kind of derivative. All right. Hold on a second. Let, let, let me do one very quickly. <laughs> I'm dealing it. We're going to talk offline. We definitely can't use that one. Okay, so the deals that we've got this week, uh, Drinkbox Studios has announced that all of their games that are on Switch are going to be 50% off for the next few days. So this sale is going to end Monday, February the 10th. Uh, so you've got 50% off of Guacamelee, Guacamelee 2, Severed, and Mutant Blobs Attack, which is criminally underrated and such a great little... It's a short experience, but it's a ton of fun. Highly recommend getting out picking that one up if you haven't played it yet real easy platinum if you want to hop over into the playstation ecosystem but this sale is specific to their games on the nintendo switch uh as mentioned previously this is a canadian based developer in fact they're located in toronto where all four of you guys are so if you're listening to this podcast and you're canadian you know support support local produce absolutely so this um actually is kind of surprisingly relevant to me um for one i've never played any of these games and so i'm really excited to i'm going to pick up all four of them but i'm doing it for a specific reason i'm doing it for a very specific reason and it's because uh when i met i recommended uh, them to you last week well there is that but let me finish (laughs) when i met both mitch and cozy we met at the cne um there was a gaming garage thing that was happening and the developers were there uh, at Drinkbox. I think they were the founders of Drinkbox and they were there to talk about like their experience. Uh, they were there uh, with Kind of Funny talking about their experiences as developers in Toronto and what it means to be an ga- uh, indie game developer and all that. And from there, I've been really inspired by that. And as a film student, like, I'm going to continue to just hammer on because if I say it enough, then somebody might believe me. Um, But eventually you won't be a student anymore. You know that, right? Yeah, I know. I don't know what I'm going (laughs) to do when that happens. But, um, yeah, so uh, in my second year, so in, like, six months, uh, we have to do a documentary. And one of my ideas was to do it on Drinkbox Studios. And so I kind of have to do my homework if I want to even think about approaching them. Because I feel like it would be really weird if I was just like, hey, I want to interview your studio. I've never played any of your games, but, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to... You're, you're going to have a blast. I'm, Those games are phenomenal. I'm All four of them. Very much looking forward to it. And so that's a little bit of an insight of what I've uh, been thinking about with this. And so, yeah, I'll let you know very soon about my thoughts on probably all four of these games. Are you going to play them in the order of release? So, Meat and Blobs Attack, Guacamelee Severed, Guacamelee 2, or I another? feel like that would be appropriate, but I'm not sure. Because I know, like, honestly, Guacamelee and Guacamelee 2 are kind of the ones that appeal to me the most. So, I might start with Guacamelee, but 
I'm I'm undecided. Yeah, I'd say both both of the games that are not Guacamelee would make a nice sort of palate cleanser to to split up that experience. Just because to play Guacamelee and Guacamelee two back to back, you probably want to take a break there to to sort of reset with a, a different a totally different experience. And with both Guacamelee games being Metroidvanias, Severed being a an RPG, mm-hmm. and Mutant oh, Blobs being I don't know if you want to call that an action platformer platformer. I don't know. It's it. it you're going to have a blast. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on upcoming shows. So the second deal, the second deal that is raining down on all of us is over on the PlayStation network. And that is the critics choice sale. So starting, I think it was today, February 5th and, and running through uh, February the 18th, you could save up to 50% on some of the best games to have come out relatively recently on the switch. So some I'm quickly just, Looking through the list, you can get 50% off uh, A Plague Tale Innocence, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is deeply discounted, Astrobot, uh, Blood and Truth is half off. I'm probably going to pick that one up. Uh, Concrete Genie, Control's on sale. Uh, what else we got here? Days Gone, if you're interested in playing 70 hours of motorcycle riding. Uh, Devil May Cry is deeply discounted. Far Cry 5, if you haven't gotten to that yet. The criminally underrated marvel versus capcom infinite is deeply deeply discounted <laughs> and if you can't tell that's a joke it's it's something uh marvel spider-man both the game of the year edition and the individual dlc so if you have the standard edition go pick up that dlc it's great value and if you don't please pick up the whole game because it's one of the best games i've ever played and this is my my deal segment so i get to say what i want cozy i know you want to say something uh, no, I just had just one thing, uh, which is that the uh, Deus Ex games are currently pretty heavily discounted. I believe that Deus Ex Mankind Divided is $4.49. That's a another Canadian-made game. It was made by IDOS uh, Montreal, here in Montreal. And trust me when I say that that game is well worth $4.49. I, th- I think you may be looking at the American prices, so Canadian may differ. But yeah, I think these are all in U.S. dollars, so convert it into your currency of choice and this is this sale is i believe just on the u.s playstation so north american markets Um, i mean we um we had statistics after the last show that showed (laughs) that we do have american listeners so yeah what i'm saying is not inaccurate to a certain percentage of the people that are going to listen to this agreed uh so super hot also discounted uh I need to be able to say this on the podcast and it is pg so don't get mad at me cozy south park the fractured butthole is deeply discounted uh should have your mom play that oh she'd probably enjoy the heck out of that one uh (laughs) the witcher wolfenstein 2 yeah lots of really really good games on this list so if there's anything here that piques your interest and you haven't picked it up yet definitely try to take advantage of that sale back to you nathan so now that we've done uh it's raining deals we're going to move on to the topic of the show which this week is going to be video game rehab this is a new segment for us which we're trying because we're going to try a few different segments to see what works best um so we needed a quick intro for video game rehab who's got this one mitch i believe that it was you who came up with the idea originally correct no this is nathan's baby oh no i just mean like uh yeah so hey 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 it's video game rehab um no we're getting too derivative again Um, okay rehab rehab Video game rehab. All right, we got some we, we got some work to do on these jingles. We're not very good at the whole music thing. 
Yeah. So uh, what I wanted no. to do is basically take a game mm. where it's having struggles. So I want to go through the history of it quickly, what our experiences with it, um, why it's slumping or why it's having problems. And then, but the big question is, what's the plan to fix this franchise? How do we bring it back to where it should be? Because as five white dudes who have never developed a video game, we know what we're talking about. Um, um, excuse me, sir. I actually developed like at least 20 video games. I'll have you know. Okay. I don't know what I'm talking about then. I I, I have absolutely I have absolutely developed crappy little mobile games to learn how to develop on iOS and Android. So I will take what you said and go cry in a corner eventually. Anyway, so let's just go around uh, go around the microphones and just talk about what our experience with Street Fighter is, just to set the playing field and where everybody sits. So AJ, how about you? Um, so Street Fighter has always kind of eluded me. Um, I always found that it was. For me, a little bit uh, unapproachable. Um, Control-wise, like the level of precision that was required, it, it's not friendly to people who have not played before. Um, I much preferred something more along the lines of Mortal Kombat. Uh, as a teenager, I got really into Dead or Alive 4, uh, big into Soul Calibur, especially Soul Calibur 2 on the GameCube with Link. That was great. And then, of course, Super Smash Brothers. Which isn't really a fighting game, but anyways. Um, Ooh, controversial. Uh, tomato, tomato. Um, you want to fight about it? <laughs> Alex, how about you? Okay, so I'm very much in the same boat. I have very little experience with Street Fighter. I've played very little bit of 2, like, you know, a match or 2 as, like, uh, Ryu. Um but for the most part, my main experience with Street Fighter is I do have Street Fighter 4 Ultra, I think is what it's called, on PC. Uh, which, you know, means that there was no one playing it because nobody plays fighting games on PC. Uh, but I would just, like, a bunch of my friends got it on sale and we played it, like, a whole bunch. Uh, and so I don't have that much experience with street fighter as a whole i am also in the same boat of like i kind of prefer like mortal Kombat and injustice and any of the nether realm fighting games uh but for the most part fighting game isn't fighting games aren't really my genre of choice so i'm not super familiar with all right uh cozy uh, I honestly can't even remember the last time I tried playing a Street Fighter game, to be honest. I, I definitely have tried playing them at one point or another, but unfortunately I don't recall when and or where. That said, I have played like other games that are, let's say, you know, within the Street Fighter family. Like, for example, I have played a bit of the Marvel vs. Capcom games or the Marvel VS games. The last one that I have like distinct memories of is, you guys remember Tatsunoko vs. Capcom on the Wii? Yeah. Yeah, I played mm -hmm. a little bit of that. I actually got it on my birthday the year it came out because it came out relatively close to that. Uh, and I remember actually genuinely having yep. a lot of fun with that game, even though I could tell that I wasn't very skilled at it. And it was, I mean, that that game was interesting because there were a lot of characters in that game that uh, the Wii uh, didn't really see a whole lot of. Like you had a mech from the Lost Planet series. You had Frank West, who appeared in that pretty poor Dead Rising port on the Wii. Um Overall, not a game that I played a whole lot of, but a game that I, I enjoyed playing. Other than that, not much uh, Street Fighter experience. All right, Mitch? I did not expect to be coming into this conversation with the most experience out of the group, except for maybe yourself, Nathan, but I've played a ton of Street Fighter over my uh, 
my video gaming career. So I inherited an SNES back in the day. And when I did, I received both Street Fighter 2 and Super Street Fighter 2. Or, yeah, it was probably yeah, those Super two. Super Street Fighter 2. And yeah. I played a ton of that as a kid. That was like my, that was my first fighting game, was learning how to play Street Fighter really, really poorly and just sticking with either Chun-Li or E-Honda because I could spam one button and it would do fun stuff. Or Blanca. Blanca also did that. Uh, over the years, I did play... I That was sort of like where I stopped playing Street Fighter until the release of Street Fighter 4. Picked that up when it came out. Had Street Fighter 4 Ultra on the PS3. Also picked up uh, Street Fighter 4 for the 3DS, which was an experience, to say the least. Especially on that circle pad. That thing did not hold up to that game yep. but over the years uh, akin to the the rest of yourself i've kind of grown away from the franchise in that my my tastes have kind of changed i really enjoy like i am a bona fide comic book geek so the various capcom crossover games have actually appealed much more to me than the 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 root street fighter franchise so marvel superheroes uh uh, X-Men versus Street Fighter, Marvel versus Capcom, Marvel versus Capcom 2, Mar- Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3, even dabbled a bit in uh, MVC Infinite that I mentioned earlier, as well as the Injustice games from NetherRealm, again, being the self-proclaimed nerd I am, <clears throat> as well as gravitating more. I know you're going to... Most people would argue it's a party game, but I really enjoy the Smash Brothers franchise and, and what that has done for the fighting game community. So my interest in Street Fighter has waned over the years, but you know what? One of us did our homework, and I actually went out earlier this week, and it was on sale on PSN, and I purchased Street Fighter Five specifically so I'd have a little more to talk about when it came to this conversation today because I care about having a well-formed opinion when Nathan brings something as as interesting to the table as, you know, sending Street Fighter to rehab. All right. Um, I guess for my history, as I'm the one who brought up the franchise, I've played quite a bit of it. Um, I'm older. I actually remember going back to the arcades and playing Street Fighter 2 in the arcades. And when I was able to bring it home and play it on my Super Nintendo, and I didn't have to drop quarters into it anymore, it was probably the best thing ever. Uh, From there, I played the Turbo Edition. And then the Super Street Fighter, when we got the new characters added. Um... But then what really hit me, what I fell in love with the franchise with, was Street Fighter, at the Street Fighter Alpha series. It started to mix in super moves more, and the meter bars, um, and the characters were great. And then throughout that, you had multiple iterations. Uh, you have Street Fighter uh, 3 with three versions. You've got Street Fighter 4 that had multiple versions. You have Street Fighter EX, the terrible 3D fighting version they tried to do to copy Tekken and Soul Calibur, uh, which just did not work. Um, one of my favorites, Street Fighter, the movie, the game, which is as terrible as it sounds. That's the one that looks like Mortal Kombat, correct? It looks like Mortal Kombat, and literally they've taken the scans from the movie. So um, Guile looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme from the movie. So they've improved the model is what you're saying? Uh, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's got a long lineage, but in recent years, uh, Street Fighter has started to wane. Street Fighter V, when it came out, um, was a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Uh, as well, It was on Steam as well. Um, 
but it struggled when it came out. Uh, this is back before Capcom had the resurgence. I think that really started with Resident Evil 7 when people started to buy back into Cap what Capcom was doing. Um, but it came out, it didn't have an arcade mode, it didn't have a story mode, it was very bare bones when it launched. Um, and I think a lot of the enthusiasm for the series was starting to wane for it, uh, wane at that point. Um, at the same time, too, they've adopted, just like every other fighting game, season passes for fighters, and they're slowly releasing fighters as they come out. Uh, they've done multiple seasons of fighters. They've done an arcade uh, mode, which is where they added the arcade in. And, uh, Mitch, you were telling me that you had to go and download that separately last night, right? That's an 8, at least on PlayStation, was an 8.1 gigabyte download to download the single player. So when I opened the game and wanted to play single player... That first thing that I always do when I open a fighting game, other than, you know, learn the basics of whatever's changed from the previous game, I couldn't even do that without an 8-gig download. What the fork? So, yeah, so we've seen a slump in the series. Uh, Street Fighter V has not sold what it needed to sell, and Capcom, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know on earnings reports, Street Fighter V has not done the numbers that they wanted to do. Um and right now they're trying to fix it with a new championship edition, which is coming out, which basically I think it's going to be 30 Canadian or 35 Canadian, but it's going to bundle in Street Fighter V with all of the characters, the DLC and the costumes that have released up to this point without the, with the exception of the Capcom Pro Tournament stuff. And I really wish I'd known that before I bought the base game on Monday. <laughs> but now I'm now I know what I'm talking about. Right, Nathan? Yes. Well, you, you got some practicing with me the other night. So, or last which was, night, which so. was fun. It, once we could figure out how to actually join a game. So I guess the big question is, for you guys, what do you need to know about the series and where it is so that we can come up with a plan on how do we fix Street Fighter V? So uh, if, if I'm remembering correctly, this Street Fighter V released very troubled didn't it like did it not have a story mode or something like that I'm, I'm struggling to remember what it was there was something big that was missing from nathan literally just said what it was missing at lunch I... there's a reason there's a reason this is your last episode hey, perfect but seriously <laughs> that that troubled launch like that specifically with with that like how do you how does a developer specifically get into that position where they're they they, they just miss the boat so hard on like here's here's all the things that were in the previous game right yeah sure you might take out stuff and re-add different things and change some things around whatever but that's what i that is what i just struggle with like the overall encompassing like big picture of it like i don't i don't know how they 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 missed so hard on that so i i would i would speculate and this is entirely speculation on my part that they missed so hard on the launch because they were trying to hit something else. And they were specifically trying to hit this launching before the end of their fiscal year. So Street Fighter V launched originally on PC and PS4 on February 16th, 2016. Most fiscal years end at the end of March. So even if they'd given their developer another month, based on the, the, the post-launch support of Street Fighter V, wouldn't have added much to the conversation. This was probably almost entirely like speculating, of course, this was most likely done just to hit that deadline of releasing before the end of a fiscal year. They had some commitments to stakeholders and just had to get it out the door. So, like, the one question that I have is, when I originally scrolled down on the uh, run-of-show document for this week and I saw Video Game Rehab Street Fighter, I was kind of like, 
Hmm. This isn't exactly the kind of franchise that I originally pictured in mind when we discussed doing video game rehab. I was thinking of something like I, I was under the impression that we would be going uh, on some like some sort of franchise that's literally dead, that literally has no games out right now at the moment, that's not making any money, etc. and so forth. Uh, and I guess my question is, like, you guys see a need for the franchise to be revitalized. Do you find that your friends as well, Mitch and Nathan, feel the same way as well? When you go to spaces where there are other Street Fighter fans, when you talk amongst the community, are they all in agreement with you guys? I mean, I'm I'm strictly a casual, so don't don't ask me about the community at all. I just play the games for fun once in a while. I think... I think it still has a strong reputation in the fighting game community just because of how solid Street Fighter V is. Take Street Fighter V with all of the um, features that it was missing at launch. It was still a solid fighting game. And that was still the feedback in the reviews and the feedback from people playing it. So it had that solid base to it, um, which was good. And I think for the general fighting game community in general, um, it was that was a positive experience. They're not necessarily concerned as much about arcade modes and um, story modes because they're in there for the playing. They want to see the frame data. They want to see, like, learn the moves. They need to, like, learn everybody competitively. Um, but I think when you're talking to a general person, especially with the reviews uh, like that, Street Fighter has a name and a cachet when you're talking about it because it's just such a storied franchise over the years how many iterations have it been i think up until recently with smash ultimate uh, street fighter 2 was the number one selling fighting game of all time um it just passed that hmm. um but street fighter 5 has not hit those depths in any in any hmm. uh way shape or fashion at this point and they're trying to turn it around now but we'll see what happens so i have a suggestion but just before i make it alex did you have anything that you want to say because I know so we, we, all, the four of us have been talking for a while, and I didn't want you to feel like you were left out in the cold. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Um, I guess I, as somebody who is kind of on the outside looking in, um, one point that I feel like should be made up or brought up at least just a little bit, because this is just like my knowledge of Street Fighter V and some of the problems, is it was really weird that it was a PS4 and PC exclusive do you think that had anything to do with, like, its um, poor reception when it came out? Like, I'm just kind of spitballing here. In terms of reviews, I don't think that would have made a difference. But I do think it would have okay. left people in the dark, just like other exclusives have had trouble with. Um, I'm thinking the Tomb Raider, uh, the second Tomb Raider game that was an Xbox exclusive. Rise of the Tomb Raider? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to hurt your sales numbers a little bit. That being said... Xbox Rise probably the, represented yeah. a minu minuscule amount of actual sales for them. Uh, maybe minuscule is not quite the right number, but um, a lower amount of sales. So I don't know how much that affected, but definitely being a console exclusive has its pros and its cons. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I've got because I'm, I want to ask, like, what are the things that you would... Like, when you're saying that Street Fighter V was lacking... What does that mean in terms of, like, in comparison to other, like, in, de in comparison to Street Fighter 4? Like, what does it mean to be lacking in content or lacking in depth, as you said? Slightly on that point there, um, before we get too into the weeds on it, in a similar vein, um, if you think about, you know, other game franchises and stuff like that, um, what, it, what the issues are ultimately going to boil down to 
um, and you men we mentioned it here, was, hey, uh, people at the top making decisions and we just want to rush it out the door. Um, and that's kind of like what, like the Blizzard stuff and, and, and whatnot. Um, so we're never going to be able to solve that problem. But if we wanted to, if I think it, it, it might be a little more constructive if we think of, if we want, wanted mm -hmm. to make Street Fighter V be a good game again, how would Well, we and that? I would make the argument at this point that Street Fighter V is probably a good game now. It's got a lot of content, and they've managed to add it over fair. the past years. That's fair. Um, I'm thinking more when we come to Street Fighter VI. What does Street Fighter VI look like? How do we fix this? I glossed over this earlier. I didn't realize that this was actually a thing when I was messing through the menus of Street Fighter V. This game had this 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 game had in-game ads, like sponsored content. Yeah. What? That was added later. Like, how do you get away with this stuff? Yeah, that was a thing. Especially when it's added in post-launch. Like, that's just an anti-consumer move all the way through. It, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it makes sense from the fact that they want to make more money, but, like, consumers don't want to see that shit being pushed... Sh that sugar being pushed down at the... Sorry, Cozy, your mom's not going to like me very yeah, much. it's fine. You see that stuff be, like, forced down your throat in-game <laughs> for... Like, it, this whole... La the launch of this game and the way they've supported it post-launch, to me, has just looked like a money grab up until the announcement of the champion... Was it Champion Edition? Championship Edition? I don't know. Just Champion Edition. So until that point, like we were discussing last night, Nathan, if you were to buy all the content that's being included in that package separately, you're looking at north of 150 bucks on this game, right? 100, 100, which is just asinine for a single game. And I know there's other people that would argue, well, if you get the if you get the enjoyment out of it, like you would like a monthly subscription to a DCUO or a, a Warcraft or whatever, then fine, M more power to you. But like as a fighting game, that's seems a little steep and this come from a guy who's bought all the dlc for smash brothers unfortunately this isn't um just an issue with street fighter this is an issue with the fighting game community in general um i reviewed dead or alive 6 and it also uh, at launch had a plethora of dlc costumes and bikinis and scantily clad things that people could pay into the hundreds of dollars that you can buy for that series um, so, and d with most fighting games, as we've seen with the Never Realms studio fighting games, um, uh, and as well as the tech, uh, the Tekken games and the Soul Calibers, there's season passes in all of them now. Samurai Showdown that add new characters and stages, um, and kind of build hype for the new characters when they're coming out. And Smash Brothers, so that seems to be a consistent thing right now. Which, which I think is fair. But the other thing that you just touched on was bikinis and DOA six. When did they start overly sexualizing all the characters in Street Fighter? Like, it, it's kind of ridiculous at this point. So, I don't think that's a new thing. I think probably since Street Fighter 4, they've been more sexualized. Um, I would make the argument that if Street Fighter 6 came out, that would probably be toned down. I think uh, the looks of uh, MK11 really toned down uh, the TNA that was in it. You saw start to see more clothes and less um, exposed bosoms. Um, or cleavage so in Mortal Kombat I'm hoping that we could see that continue to um, continue to migrate over so I think we're all in agreement that like the pricing scheme uh, stuff obviously is not helping uh, with the Street Fighter situation right now or probably a lot of other contemporary fighting games um, the big question that I want to bring up is does Street Fighter 5 have a problem in that it's appealing way too strongly to the hardcore and does it need to figure out a way to bring in casual players as well 
Does it need to figure out how it can position itself so that it can market itself in the way that Smash Brothers does, where it's like it's either a you know legitimate competitive experience or it's a fun couch experience with your buddies? Or does it need to kind of stay the course that it's currently on and be like, no, we are just going to purely appeal to the hardcore competitive scene. That's going to be our niche, and that is best well, for Cozy, us. Well, Cozy, that's why I'm glad we have you on who's played very little. Uh, because I think this is a perfect question for you. As somebody who's not played a Street Fighter game, what would get you excited to play a Street Fighter game? Is there anything they could do from the outside of somebody who's just not really familiar with the series at all? Okay, so I'm actually glad that you brought that up because I just recalled these are not Street Fighter games or Street Fighter adjacent games, but the only other major fighting franchise that I played outside of Smash Brothers and Tatsunoko versus Capcom were the um, Persona 4 Arena games. So it was yep. Persona 4 Arena and Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. Uh, and those games did a lot to kind of get me in. One, obviously, um, you know, I, I had played Persona 4 Golden just before I got into them, so obviously I wanted to see the story in them continue. But two, the story games in both of those releases were incredibly robust. Like, mm -hmm. really, 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 really robust. Uh, in the first one, I'm not going to like get super in detail as to what happens, but basically it's kind of like a classic uh, you know, uh, campaign mode in a fighting game where you can experience the story from any of the main character's perspectives and the story changes in response to that. But each person's individual story has like, like a ton of voice recorded dialogue and like interesting little scenarios and details and snippets that when you play all of them together reveal a really kind of surprisingly detailed and nuanced story. Um, so there's that. The other thing, too, that I appreciated is that, obviously, the experience of playing Persona 4 Rita in terms of mechanics is very different from the Persona 4, uh, you know, RPGs, but they, Persona 4 Arena did do, like, in the same way that, for example, in Super Smash Brothers, Samus Aran charges her charge beam in a similar fashion to the way she charges her charge beam in her you know, native Metroid games, or Mario kind of jumps in the way that he jumps in Mario games, or Link kind of charges and shoots a bow and arrow or throws a bomb in the way that he does in the Zelda games. I feel like the Persona games, uh, Arena games, did a good job of being like, okay, you're familiar with the idea of, like, having a, you know, energy meter that you use to launch special attacks of thunder and lightning and whatnot. Let's, you know, create a fighting game version of that. And so getting into it, I was already off the bat like, oh, okay, I kind of, I can tell that the inputs to access these various powers is going to be a bit different than how it was in the RPGs. But I have a general understanding right off the bat of what it is that I need to do. So as a big Persona <sighs> fan, um, I loved Persona uh, 4 Arena. Um, it's actually a shame that it hasn't been ported over to PS4. Uh, I'm surprised that Ultimax never got a PS4 version of it and that it was stuck on PS3. Um, and they're developed by Arc System Works, who is one of the best in the fighting game industry because they do um, they do the Blaz... The, I'm going to say it wrong. Blaz Blue and the Guilty Gear series. Uh, beautifully hand-drawn animation, mm. uh, great fighting systems. They're, uh, like, honestly, one of the best fighting game developers out there in the industry. So they do really good work. Um, so... But what you're saying is trying to tie it into a story, like make the story more engrossing for you. Like if you heard it had a better story with more voice acting stuff, would that help you out then? I would definitely say so. I think that the, the characters, I mean, one thing that the Street Fighter series has always done well is that the characters are kind of really appealing and instantly recognizable. But it feels like the 
instances in which they, you know, appear in big headlining stories these days, um, like narratives, uh, uh, basically are kind of rare. It, it was not too long ago that I believe that the Street Fighter cartoon series appeared on uh, streaming services. And I remember when that came out, people are like, oh, shit, the Street Fighter cartoon series is available on streaming services. And like that, I, I watched uh, a couple of episodes of that show. It's not a great show, but I can kind of I kind of get why people were kind of excited when it showed up, because it's like we don't get stories of like Guile and Ken and, you know, uh, company basically bumming around and doing fun stuff together like that all that often, at least. And mind you, I have not played a lot of the Street Fighter games, so I can't speak to that intimately but at least that's my impression from the outside okay uh aj how about you uh in terms of approachability for me um like for me for me street fighter has always been kind of complicated with the controls like anytime i i go to i used to go to the arcade and i try and play it you know try, trying to to land a simple you know quarter circle back whatever it just gets complicated with the directions uh, for me personally there's when it when for me when it comes to something like dead or alive or soul caliber there's a fluidity between the the button presses from going from one move to the other and continuing through a combo that just kind of clicked with me so i'm not entirely sure how to take that into a solution necessarily but for me i've just always found the controls to be a little too unapproachable all right uh alex yeah i'll kind of agree with that of like the approachability and just like i feel like mortal Kombat and injustice are much easier to even at just as somebody who just wants to button mash like it feels like if i button mash in mortal Kombat or injustice i feel like i could at least maybe have a chance where in street fighter if you're going against somebody who even remotely knows what they're doing, they will fundamentally destroy you. And I guess it is the case in the other games as well. But it just feels, yeah, like Mortal Kombat and Injustice feel more approachable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I would also just say, for me personally, one of the biggest appeals, the reason why I buy Mortal Kombat, the reason why I buy Injustice is because of the story mode. I don't really like playing games with other people. And so to have a reason to actually play those games besides just fighting the AIs but like having like a story reason to do it I think would be interesting and I know almost nothing about the characters and so having any reason to be able to get to learn about them would be would be great okay uh, Mitch as somebody who's just recently started playing Street Fighter 5 as of yesterday tell me what you, what you think literally yesterday so actually, I want to piggyback off the point Alex just made, and I did get a chance to play through, or I, I started to, when the story mode hadn't downloaded, to play through one of the character stories, which are sort of like, think of them like the equivalent of the um, of the single run playthrough you would do of a Smash Brothers character, and you get to the end, battle, master hand, whatever. And right. it's all still image cutscenes, like give me fully rendered cutscenes give me a story there's nothing there that keeps me engaged if there isn't some motion to it like even if it wasn't in the game give me like give me a tie-in anime or something give me give me castlevania on netflix but for street fighter why not like there's so much backstory to these characters and it's so convoluted that i have trouble following it and i've played almost every game in the franchise at least 
dabbled. I, I have a full list of things I would improve about this series. So if we want to get into that now, we can. But I just wanted to piggyback off that point that Alex made. Okay. Um, I want to throw something out to you guys then. So we're looking at Street Fighter Six probably uh, as Champion Edition is coming out February 14th um, with everything included. It's kind of like the game of the year version with everything. There'll probably still be a little more DLC for it. But this is pretty much going to be the cap on the end of Street Fighter V. It's coming out at a budget price point. Um, so at that point, uh, Capcom is going to start looking uh, at Street Fighter VI. Now, the Capcom that released Street Fighter V back in 2016 is not the same Capcom we have today. They've made some shifts. I think we can all agree that they've done some tremendous work in terms of the Resident Evil franchise, the Monster Hunter uh, world coming out. Um, so what do they, they need to do? And I'm going to throw this out to you guys because we talked about... Oh, give me two seconds, Mitch. I want to throw this idea out first. Um, so we talked about every fighting game had a season pass, had, like has mm -hmm. a season pass, multiple season passes. We've seen it with Neverrealm. We've seen it with Soul Calibur. We see it with DOA. We see it um, with Samurai Showdown. All of them have season passes. What if they adopted an Overwatch-style model where new characters were free? And the stages were free, but they charged for cosmetics. And they pushed that as their big, here's how we're changing the fighting game industry. So regardless, you buy the game, you're going to get that new character when it comes out. You may not get all the costumes and all the different looks for it. But regardless, you'll be on a level playing field to play with everybody else. Do you think that would cause reverberations in the gaming industry? I mean, I think I'd be all supportive of that. I would hope that when they do that, though, they follow the kind of Apex Legends or, well, Overwatch model of int introducing every new character with a really nice, cool intro movie on social media. Like, speaking of Apex, I mean, Apex was free, um, and, you know, there, the, yeah, there were a couple DLC characters, and they're still continuing to do that. You pay for the cosmetics and everything. I think, for me personally, if you want me to play Street Fighter and give it a real shot, the cost of default entry needs to be super, super low. Like, put it, put it on Xbox or PC Game Pass or something like that, or one, one of those uh, upcoming services, something like that, and then I can just jump in and play at any point. So let me, let me counter that argument, AJ. What if instead yep. of it coming in at like a budget price with a small roster to start and they add this DLC down the road, what if we got Super Street Fighter Ultimate? And they go the Smash Brothers route of this next game is the platform to play Street Fighter on. It is a, like, they will release that game. And from the get-go, every character that's been in a Street Fighter game in the past, everyone is here. They get every character they've had in the past. It, you start out with a roster that is ridiculous in size because of the great history this franchise has. And it celebrates the history that this franchise has had. And then any future DLC is just net new. And what I would, what I would recommend for that route is let's get crazy. Let's add Nemesis. Let's add Chris Redfield. Let's add a friggin' quest, uh, monster hunter guy. Like let, let, let's get weird with it because you get weird with it and you introduce these games from other franchises that aren't native to Street Fighter, you're going to pique a lot of people's interest. I think I think that would be super cool. Um, like, like I mentioned earlier, for me, uh, controls and, and like the approachability of playing the actual game has been the biggest issue, right? So lowering the cost of entry 
to to something like a game pass or even like an apex model um would probably be my in unless you do something like so far out there like what you're talking about like what dead or alive 4 did um with um a spartan from halo um or what soul Calibur 2 did with link from the legend of zelda those two games were my entry points into those franchises and i love those two franchises now because of it so if they if they could if they could surprise me that way so the the, the standard capcom fair wouldn't surprise me necessarily but something else might so let, let me just okay let, let me set the stage for what i'm going to recommend and you tell me if this would grab your attention or not they come out they say everything that has every character that's been in a street fighter game will be in this game okay character stage mm-hmm. costume whatever whatever you want to do and then their one more thing at the end of their presentation is mm-hmm. they announce their first dlc fighter mm-hmm. and it's wolverine mm. they're gonna they're gonna go back to the well they're gonna reestablish that partnership with marvel and they're gonna start bringing in totally out of left field characters and that would set the stage for you don't know what's going to come next if they still want to go the traditional season pass route as long as the pricing is appropriate go for it but if you have wolverine or nemesis or friggin tie the tasmanian devil or tiger or whatever the heck that thing is like okay here here here's my suggestion on that make make an avengers Mm -hmm. style fighting game like injustice but with the marvel versus capcom like control schemes and then you know what maybe then i'll 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 be able to cross that bridge so they they did try that a bit with marvel versus capcom infinite um but this was the capcom that you know was doing exactly what they did with street fighter there was no proper community management they didn't tell people what was coming they over promised under delivered they they made all the mistakes that old capcom made so you you give you give me something to the quality of ultimate marvel versus capcom 3 from the ps3 360 days i'm all in you make that just avengers like we had the um what was it x-men fighter back children in the day of the atom children of the atom you give me something like that avenger style i'm 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 100 in one yeah one thing i forgot to mention i also played uh, the dragon ball fighters game a whole bunch when that came out and super approachable dragon ball is is what got me in there and the fact that it was actually super approachable and everything absolutely yeah they they need a baby a baby ass baby mode for lowering that barrier to entry into street fighter for sure and i feel like they've had it in the past but it's it's not something i remember there being there now so like a simple control scheme option yeah. For people who just want to maybe get through the story, that makes it a bit easier. I'm gonna say, or something like Injustice, where after a few losses, you have the option to skip a fight. Just let me get to the story, if that's what I'm there for. Because like Alex, when it came to something like Injustice 2, I was there for the story, less so for the... I don't like... I, I grew up on the Street Fighter fighting mechanics, so to go to something like Mortal Kombat or Injustice doesn't feel right to me, if that makes sense. There, there is a... There is a there's a different feel to it so for me the street fighter style has always been my style of choice but from a story perspective nether realms knocking it out of the park yeah so i actually echo that completely mitch um playing injustice 2 right now is really hard for me because it does not play like i'm used to fighting games playing 
um, it's a struggle. As, as much as I love the story, I think Never Never Realms excels there. Playing it does not seem nearly as fun, and I'm dying a lot because it's just not fun to play. What is that difference between Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter? Because as somebody, I haven't really like experienced too much of Street Fighter, so I can't really tell what the the big difference between them is. I think Street Fighter um, used a lot of quarter, quarter circle movements, which uh, Mortal Kombat didn't. They um, did a lot of arrow movements back and forth uh, in different directions. Um, uh, the It was a okay. five-button control scheme for Mortal Kombat initially, too, where Street Fighter had six, three high, uh, three punches, three kicks. Um, so, and so Mortal Kombat would just uh, felt different. Um yeah. So. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I, I echo that cool. completely. So, uh, Mitch, to go off of your earlier suggestion uh, that they should announce, hey, everybody from Street Fighter history is back, and also Wolverine is heading into the game. Do you think that they should consolidate their assets and basically be like, hey, from this point going forward, there are no more uh, Capcom versus Marvel games, or no more Capcom vs games. It's just going to be Capcom vs or Street Fighter vs and it all kind of falls under this one single fighting game umbrella? Or should they keep having kind of multiple franchises? I, I, I like the idea of consolidating it in one place. I mean, if you look at something like the Versus series of games have a very different style to the traditional Street Fighter games. Street Fighter is traditionally a 1v1. The Versus series has traditionally been a, what, 2v2 or 3v3. So there, there are some marketable differences in terms of the system mechanics that it makes sense to keep those separate. But honestly, just throwing, throwing characters into a game that don't necessarily... Like, part of the appeal to Smash Brothers to me is I don't know what I'm going to get next. Cloud was never on a Nintendo system before they introduced Cloud on in the into the Wii U version of Smash Brothers. Actually, d- d- it's okay. Don't don't listen to what I'm about to say. I I can bring up 13 examples where it was on Nintendo. It's fine. Don't listen to me. Really? Yeah. Before we, we don't s- have time. We don't have time. Okay, we don't have time. Okay. Cameos. But I mean, Snake. Other than the GameCube game, like there hasn't been a Metal Gear game on this on on a Nintendo console. So like that that element of surprise to me is something that appeals to me in the same way I'm sure some um, loot box mechanics would appeal to, to others. That that sense of not knowing what's next is an endorphin rush for me and I like when a, a studio goes through and, and, and follows through on a, a very well thought out DLC plan Byleth excluded if you're looking at the first, se- the first uh, season pass of Smash Brothers for the Switch. Alright, so I think we're getting to a point where we've got a lot of good ideas, and I think we've talked about what we can do to fix that. I really like the idea of the guest characters uh, and bringing in somebody like Wolverine um, that's maybe outside the universe. I know uh, fighting games have been a lot more open to sharing their characters recently, as Akuma was in Tekken 7 from Street Fighter. Uh, you had the Street Fighter cross Tekken series. Um, I Did believe... we ever get Tekken cross Street Fighter? We were supposed to, right? No, it but never, it never came, came out. out yeah. Uh, no, that never came out. Um, and then I'm going to make a mistake here, and I wish we had a year on for this, uh, but I believe Soul Calibur, the, one of the next characters that is introduced, is one of the characters from Samurai Showdown. You, I remember, I remember seeing out. that somewhere. Yeah, I think you're right there. So um, I think it's Soul Calibur, not Tekken. Um, so so I, I think that we could be on board to get this done um, and do that. 
I think at the same time, we're 100% right about fixing the story mode, creating more cinematics. Um, I really liked Cozy's idea of the Overwatch-style um, introductions for new characters when they're coming out and really building more of a vent about it. Cause like even talking about apex, uh, this week, uh, with the new character that's coming out, um, I don't even play apex and I checked out the trailers, uh, because they were so good and people were talking about them. So I think that could generate hype as well for, so, uh, to confirm your point, Nathan, yes, the main antagonist of samurai showdown is being included in the next season pass for soul caliber six. All right. Um, Sorry, I just want to make one more point before we wrap this all up, and and it's one yeah. that I sort of sprinkled throughout, but it's really it's really pivotal for developers to talk to their community. Yeah. When Street Fighter Five launched, Capcom essentially went radio silent until they were ready to fix the game. You need to like if you communicate to your community what your plans are for the game, and what the roadmap looks like, they're much more receptive to you needing to pivot from that or or make a change or whatever the case might be. That communication is very important. We didn't see that with Soul Calibur or with sorry, with Street Fighter Five. We did see that when it came to Resident Evil Seven, Resident Evil Two, Monster Hunter World. So I'm hopeful that with any future iterations of the Street Fighter franchise, that Capcom will have learned from those missteps and be much more communic- communicative to their community. So rehab's a long process. We can't fix everything right away. Uh, I think Street Fighter needs more love. Um, but hopefully, you know, uh, I'm sure we have people from Capcom listening to us today, uh, of course. Uh, yeah, why wouldn't they be? So hopefully they can take some of this and really integrate it into the next version. So, um, and it, if you know somebody from Capcom and you want to put this in their ears, go ahead. Go put it in their ears for them. M- maybe don't, because maybe we don't want to sour that relationship before we get this podcast off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to immediately start making like making light of these really, really intricate corporate situations we have no idea about and be like, yeah, this is how you can fix it. So, um, okay, so we're going to wrap up the podcast then. So, Mitch, where can everybody find you? You can find me at Mr. Mitch George on Twitter, Instagram, and um, you can, yeah, that's that's essentially where I live is is Instagram and Twitter. So you can find me over there. All right, Cozy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex Cozina. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash Cozy Live. And also be sure to check out youtube.com slash gamers, G-V-M-E-R-S, which is a YouTube channel I write short form documentaries for. Awesome. Um, as we've fired AJ this podcast, and this is his last one, where can people catch up with you for the foreseeable future? Uh, you can follow me anywhere. Uh, I'm Times Hero on all the things. Uh, cat, that's Times Hero, capital T, capital H. Also, uh, inverted controls are the correct way to control your Y-axis. How do we so, disable yeah. your audio? Seriously. Just, I was going to say, you have to edit all of that yeah, out in Mike, post. I'm just going to cut him out at this point <laughs> of the entire podcast. Um, Alex. <laughs> Uh, on Instagram, I am blatantly Alex, and on Twitter, I am the same thing, but it's blatantly underscore Alex. And for the most part, I'm mostly on Instagram, but I tend to just retweet stuff on Twitter. I also just want to quickly say, if you've made it to the end of this show, thank you so much. We yeah, couldn't make we you. we couldn't make something like this without the expectation people were actually going to listen to it. And the fact that we put the first podcast live and there was some positive reception in the small circles we shared it in, it really means a lot. And if you could, please subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast. Leave a review if you can. 
and it means the world to us. So thank you so much. I was just going to say, I had some of my friends sharing the podcast. So thank you to anybody yeah. who's sharing it and putting it out in the world as well. So Also, for anyone that cares, the Raptors came back and won their game tonight, and I'm happy. Because oh, yeah. that means a fr- franchise record, 12 straight wins, baby. Ooh. Hell yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, listening to us. If you have any feedback, tips, suggestions, ways that we can improve, feel free to share that with us as well on our social platforms. We're all looking to make this a bigger, bigger and better show, and we appreciate any help that we can get. That being said, if you had any complaints about anything AJ said, he's not going to be on the show next week, so it doesn't matter. Pineapple belongs on pizza. Oh, get a new hot take already. All right. Die Hard's a good Christmas movie. <laughs> So I'm going to wrap it up. Um, you can follow me at on Twitter at the underscore NMAC and check out my reviews at ps4blog.net um, where I always have a constant stream of reviews going up. Um, on that note, as always, have a good one and thanks for playing. Bonjour. Hmm, I'm not sure why I said that at the end. Uh, I should have said au revoir at the very least because that would have actually made sense. <laughs> Keep that part in.